G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Connecting faith to life. Vision. The story. I looked at your journal and you're really, really struggling with the issue of pornography. I think the enemy's telling you you need to look at this stuff and I think he's telling me that you need to look at it because I'm not valuable, I'm not worth looking at. And I just broke down and cried. And that was the first time in 20 years of marriage I'd actually cried and expressed my emotion about it. And I just said to him, why aren't I good enough? G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to the story. Well, as we just heard, Carmen Allen was frustrated in her marriage and had feelings of hopelessness. Meanwhile, her husband Steve was trapped in an addiction and was about to give up. How did it all get turned around? To the point that they are now helping other couples. We'll hear their story today as they have a chat with Eric Scatterbo. And parents, due to the adult themes being discussed, you might want to have your children involved in an activity in another room while you listen to this conversation with Steve and Carmen Allen. Steve and Carmen, welcome to the program. Hi there. Thanks for having us. Glad to have you with us. And before we start talking about that low point in your marriage, let's go back and find out a little bit about you. Where were you born and raised? I was born in Sydney and went to primary school down there and then moved to Coffs Harbour, which is part of our story, when I was starting high school at the age of 11. Okay, uh, Steve, Mm -hmm. you want to pick up on that story there? Very similar. I was born in Sydney as well, and uh, my family moved to Coffs Harbour on the New South Wales north coast. Um, When I was about 12, Carmen and I met then. Our families didn't know each other, but we both met each other at that time, so it was interesting that we both moved there at the same time. Mm. Where did you meet? Uh, At a church. So the pastor of the church introduced our two dads, and I remember meeting Steve's dad at the front door and he said to me and how old are you Carmen and I said 11 he said oh I've got a son about your age <laughs> <laughs> the rest is history <laughs> at such a young age you were destined to be together yeah, I think so like that. I think so <laughs> so we were like boyfriend we went to different high schools in Coffs Harbour but we saw each other at youth group mm-hmm. and um, we were boyfriend and girlfriend for a few years um, until, until she dumped me because I wouldn't hold her hand <laughs> at oh. the age of 14 Oh, I was heartbroken. It was very sad. So then we we moved. My family moved away, and we we had other boyfriends and girlfriends. Both had our hearts broken different ways, and then, but we remained friends all that time. Mm. Mm. And by the time we were turning twenty one, uh, we were interested in each other again. And it wasn't long after that. A couple of years later, we were married. Oh, okay. Mm. So mm. obviously, the friendship blossomed into a romance. Yep, yeah. yep. Yes, but he'd been a good friend for a long time. We'd written mm. letters and over the years. Stayed in and, touch. Yeah. Okay, so as you said, you met at a young age. You were raised in the church. Mm-hmm. Both were Christians. Mm. Mm-hmm. There's no possible way you could have any problems if you got married. <laughs> Should have been perfect, shouldn't it? Should have been perfect, yeah. Should have been good. But we, I think what we yeah. learned was that um, no matter what sort of family you're raised in, we're still broken mm-hmm. on mm. the inside. Yep. Mm. And, We're all uh, a work in progress. We sure mm-hmm. are. We sure are. And I needed God's help to live life the right way just as much as anybody did. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, I've learned that it, it, it couldn't be more clear to me now, certainly clearer now than it was before. Mm. Okay. Well, we started off talking about 
how things were very low. You had a very low point in your mm-hmm. marriage. Where did they begin to kind of get off track? Well, really, it began to go off track because I allowed, I stupidly allowed pornography to play a part in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I can remember being exposed to pornography when I was young, um, like from other kids at school when I was in high school, and then going out into the workforce and there was pornography around in workshops and things that I would mm-hmm. be involved in working in. Um, and it, it took a hold of me in a way that I wasn't really aware of at the time, but um, it was always hanging around in the background. And eventually it got to a point when we'd been married about 20 years, it got to a point where I was seriously addicted to pornography. And and I felt that it was... I, I knew that it was wrong. I wanted to be able to stop it. I wanted to leave it alone, but for some reason I couldn't seem to. Mm. And I felt like I was at a point where I... I couldn't get out of that place. I, f- I really felt trapped there for a while. So, mm-hmm. if I'm understanding you correctly, this was a slow progression. Yes, it was. I mean, you didn't just go no into a full addiction. No, no, on. I didn't. It was a long, slow process, and I think I think that might be what it's like for a lot of guys. I, I know mm-hmm. that it's it's a very widespread problem, and I think a lot of guys are more hooked up with pornography than they give it credit for. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's unfortunately it's all over mm. the place because it's all by degrees. Yeah, it's little steps at a time. And I think what I've learnt from it, from my experience, is that pornography is not bad just because it's naughty or evil. It's bad because it's addictive and because it's destructive, and because of the the fallout that comes from mm-hmm. it. And I know that from from bitter experience rather than just theory. Now, well, it's at the end of the day, it's a counterfeit. Yeah, that's right. We were made. God made us for. Relationship. Relationships, mm. good, healthy relationships with mm. each other and, of course, mm. husband and wife. Mm. And the lie is that, well... You don't this, need the relationship. You just need this yeah. pornography, yeah, this image. And it will actually destroy what's good. It yeah. will destroy relationships instead. Now, Carmen, did you know anything about this when this was happening with him? I, kn- I knew for a, a number of years that he was struggling with it. Uh, I can remember us doing a 10-week marriage course the issue of pornography came up there and we talked about it and our conversations would go something like this i would say to him are you struggling with pornography and looking at other women and he'd say well yes i am but you don't know how hard it is for me i'm male and you don't get it Mm. and so that put me in a position all the time where i was too scared to ask because i thought this is a male problem i don't get it um so just be quiet about it um so i spent years afraid that he was looking at other women and constantly watching him when women would walk past. Mm. Is he looking at them? Um, but not really knowing what he was doing when I wasn't around on the computer, but knowing that he was struggling with this issue, but I couldn't get in into his cave yeah. with it. Like yeah. It was like, this is a man's problem, stay out. Now, that's um, a lie. Yeah, that's right. It's a lie. It's It, it was actually a cop-out for me to say mm. that. It's really a way of saying, you know, don't don't bring this up. Don't ask me to deal with this. I'll, I'll handle it. Of course, I couldn't handle it. Yeah, yeah. How was that working out for you? <laughs> it didn't work out yeah. at all. Yeah, yeah, it just got worse and worse. Yeah, um, I I remember one morning. I remember it very clearly, wondering just how much of a problem it was for him. And I, and I look back and I think, was this the right or the wrong thing to do? But in retrospect, I think it was probably the right thing to do. Both of us as Christians. One of the techniques we have when we're reading God's Word is we journal. So we mm-hmm. have another little notebook that we write our thoughts and prayers in. And um, Stephen, I went and looked for his journal. And 
one of the things that I had personally been struggling with all our marriage was how I looked. Like, you know, was I attractive? Oh, wow. So this is not going to help your self-image no, not at, at all. all. Not at all. And I think probably every woman, whether she's got a husband into pornography or not, is going to struggle with that. And every woman that mm, I've met very, does very struggle common. with because women are plastered everywhere to sell everything. So, Photoshopped. Yeah. They don't actually look like yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I didn't didn't really realize that till I learned how to use Photoshop, actually. Um and so I went to his journal and I started reading. And as I flipped back through every day, he was saying to God, I can't get out of this. I'm in trouble again. I've looked at stuff again. I can't get out of this. And so my worst fears were realized. And I thought he is in a really bad way. Um, I remember that day going out for lunch with a friend and feeling so overwhelmed by it that I couldn't even concentrate on the conversation at lunchtime. Mm. And coming home that night, I said to him, I did something, I felt like I had to fess up for looking at his journal. I said to him, I did something today that was probably a bit intrusive, um, but I looked at your journal and you're really, really struggling with the issue of pornography. And I'm really, really struggling with how I feel about my self-image. And I've been praying about it today and I actually think they're connected somehow. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. the enemy's telling you you need to look at this stuff and I think he's telling me that you need to look at it because I'm not valuable, I'm not worth looking at. And I just broke down and cried and that was the first time in 20 years of mm. marriage I'd actually cried and expressed my emotion about it and I just said to him, why aren't I good enough? Mm. And I just remember sitting on the edge of the bed and him sitting next to me and saying, it's got nothing to do with you and how you look. And I said, it must have. And I said, I've had enough, I'm, I'm going I'm going for counselling. I've got to get help. Even if you don't want to get help, I've got to get help. Mm. Steve, how did you mm. well, that respond was the, to that? That was the turning point for me. When Carmen broke down and I actually saw the effect that it was having on her, I realised this was not just about me at all. Mm-hmm. And that, that suddenly shone a spotlight on what, the, what was really going on that I hadn't understood before. And so I was able to decide from that moment to start taking whatever steps were necessary. I didn't know what steps would be necessary, but to take some radical steps to to change what was going on. And that involved me making myself accountable to some other guys at church that I respected. Mm. Um, It involved me going and seeing a counsellor for a period of time. That wasn't fun, wasn't comfortable, but it was necessary. Um, Why was that necessary? Well, it was necessary for two reasons, I think. One was to help me start thinking straight about things, but it was also necessary for me to prove to Carmen that I was serious about changing, that I, I wasn't just talking about it like I had in the past, saying, uh, you know, I'll do better. This was something that was demonstrably different. Now, you, at one point, you shared with me that you thought, I can't be a Christian anymore. Yeah. and uh, So it was destroying everything. Because you're, you're journaling, you're actually trying, you're struggling, yeah. you're honestly trying to be right with God, yeah. but you're failing. Yeah. So before that turning point came, the thoughts had been going through my mind that I, I can't change my behavior i can't i can't keep being a christian this is not what a christian is Mm -hmm. i'm going to have to give up on that i'm going to have to give up on my marriage i can't i can't keep being this kind of husband to carmen you were so enslaved yeah i was i was and i remember thinking to myself god how am i going to get out of this why why is this so hard i remember him saying to me at one point well it's because you keep feeding your mind with the same stuff Mm. no wonder it's hard you need to stop feeding your mind with it so I, i understood the dynamics of why it was it's so addictive but the stronghold was still there. Like mm. the, it still had a very had me by the throat, really, for a while.
You're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scadabo is chatting with Steve and Carmen Allen about some of the challenges they faced in their marriage. Next, we'll hear how Steve finally turns the corner in dealing with his addiction to pornography and how their marriage healed to the point that they are now helping other couples. That and more when we return. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. We're continuing with Eric Scadabo chatting with Steve and Carmen Allen who were at a low point in their marriage and almost thought it was over. Steve was addicted to pornography and Carmen had feelings of hopelessness. Now let's hear how it all turns around. I think, as I said before, the turning point for me was when I when I saw how broken Carmen was once she discovered what the pattern of my life had been. When I saw the pain that was there, I, I realised firstly how much it was hurting her, but also I realised the responsibility that I had as a husband towards her that I had neglected or I had failed to live up to. Mm-hmm. So there was a sense of responsibility on me all of a sudden that I hadn't really understood. And then as I made myself accountable to other guys at the church, at the church I belonged to, and as I went through a process of counselling with people, I was able to have my thinking changed at a psychological level. That was helpful. But more than that, I think um, understanding God's willingness to forgive me uh, because, you know, pornography brings with it a tremendous sense of shame and mm. guilt. Oh, yeah. And I understood for the first... And that first- doesn't help? You overcome it. No, no. What it does is hide it. It, yeah. it. it makes you want to hide it. I don't want to talk to anybody about this. You this just is, want to keep yeah. it hidden, keep it in the dark. And as soon as it comes into the light, like it did when, when Carmen broke down, that robs it of a lot of its power. Hmm. Uh, and being accountable to other people and going to a counsellor, that robs it of a lot of its power because you brought it out in the open. And then along with that, understanding the gospel, you know, the message of God's willingness to forgive us because of what Jesus did, that suddenly became more real to me than it had ever been in my whole Christian life. I Even though you were raised, yeah. you knew about this from a young age. I'd been preaching and everything. You know, mm-hmm. I've, I've been leading youth groups. I've done all sorts of things in, in my Christian life. But at this moment, I started to see how big God's forgiveness really is. And grace. And grace. Mm-hmm. I understood it like I'd never understood it before. And I have, and, and that has been the thing that has, has held me together since then. It hasn't been the counselling. It hasn't been the being accountable to other guys. It hasn't even been me trying harder. It's been understanding God's willingness to forgive me and to change me and to be a different person. So it's been through his power rather than my own. And then also, we need to mention it, as a married couple, we are supposed to be getting our sexual satisfaction in our marriage. That's right. Did your overcoming this addiction and getting victory with the Lord's help, did it help improve your marriage oh certainly did certainly did on a number of levels one of the things we we um when we're doing marriage teaching with people we talk about couples sex life as being a bit like the icing on the cake and you've got to have a cake first before you can put icing on it so everything that takes place outside of the bedroom really governs what happens inside the bedroom mm-hmm. and so getting pornography under control wasn't just about fixing something in the bedroom it was about fixing our relationship outside the bedroom it was about come and being able to trust me mm-hmm. and for us to be able to communicate openly and honestly which we really hadn't been able to do 
So, did you find? I'm just curious to know. Did you find that the more you and Carmen got closer together and were vulnerable with each mm-hmm. other, like Carmen shared, that it was easier to get victory in this area? Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Because well, it had been hidden before. Yeah. So once I, I think um, one of the things I went and saw a Christian psychologist and one of the things she gave me permission to do really she said you have the right to ask your husband as often as you feel you need to say are you viewing pornography and she said and I want you to say those words I don't want you just to say have you still got a problem I want you to say what it is Um, she said because there's power in that and so being able to check on him and not feel like because all my 20 years up to then, I was like given the shutdown every time I mm. went near the subject. So being able to say to him, um, have you looked at pornography today or recently? And hearing him say, no, I haven't. And then believing that he wasn't lying to me mm. um, gradually built that trust. And it takes time. But it took a long time. It takes time. It takes a long time because it had been undone over a long time. Yeah. Trust yeah. is built over time. Yeah. Yeah, um, the, it's not one of the mistakes that I used to make, and I think a lot of guys make, is they'll say, "I'll do better." You just got to believe me. You just got to trust me. As if somehow that trust is something that she's got hidden away there that she has to give me. Whereas the truth is, it's something I have to build mm-hmm. over time. I has to have to build it. I've got to and, create and it. Earn it. I've got to create it. Mm-hmm. And so you know, the time that we have spent over these years, trust is has grown over those years, but. Didn't happen quickly. And God, my relationship, my personal relationship with God has been the foundation for me. So God had got me to a point where even before all this was exposed and I had this great fear that he would run off with another woman that he'd been looking at, God had personally said to me, I need to be your all in all. Even if he runs off, mm. I'll still be with you. And so I had to face that fear rather than, oh, that'll never happen or mm. whatever. Um, and then after it was all exposed and I was working through all the pain of it, it, it wasn't just a quick, oh, well, I forgive you. I wanted to process it properly and mm-hmm. recognize that there'd been a lot of, that I was grieving for a marriage that I thought I was going to have when I was a 22-year-old that didn't happen that way. Um, so I processed all that. But I do remember very clearly um, I used to sit in the front lounge room in a house that had a really nice garden out the front. And I remember one morning feeling like I could say in all sincerity, I forgive him. And it, for me, forgiveness was I forgive him for committing adultery a mm. zillion times mm. with a zillion women that I've never met and seen. I forgive him for breaking his marriage vows and staying faithful to me. But interestingly, I no- I noticed about myself as I did it, I wasn't a crying heap of mess as I ploughed through it. It was like, it was incredible. I can even remember getting up and standing up and with my eyes closed and saying to God, I don't understand how I can forgive him for this. This is a huge thing. So mm. I've had trouble forgiving him for leaving the toilet seat up. <laughs> how, how can I be doing this? <laughs> um, and, a little uh, bit more important. <laughs> yeah. And um, I had this picture of, you know, coming to my head, I guess kind of like Moses at the Red Sea with his great big sea in front, but it wasn't Moses standing next to me. It was God the Father standing next to me. And I felt that he said to me, you are able to forgive Stephen because... I have an ocean full of grace Mm. at your disposal and I've placed one drop 
of my ocean of grace on you. Mm. And I was like, wow. And for the first time, having grown up in Christian church and heard that word grace sung about, Mm -hmm. preached about, I realized grace isn't just a word that you throw around about what happened on the cross, like this big, you know, theological subject. Grace is actually the power, supernatural power of God to enable me to do something in myself I could not do. Mm-hmm. And that's why a true forgiveness, real forgiveness has to come from God because I don't have that in myself to do that. Now, I wanted to ask you, when you were asking him, did he view pornography? And over time, he'd say no, no. when he was getting victory. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you're realizing, wow, he's really having mm-hmm. some victory here. Mm-hmm. How did that make you feel? Oh, it was good. <laughs> it was good because I could see that he was trying. Yeah, just seeing him put the effort in that's been required has Does it proven make you to feel me that feel loved. Value, yeah, yeah, more loved and more feel valued. Feel loved, yeah. yeah. That's fantastic. Unfortunately, <laughs> we're running out of time, but we want to get to now, years mm. later, mm. you are not only in a much better place, your marriage healed and healing, Mm -hmm. continuing to get closer Mm -hmm. together to the point that you're helping others in Mm -hmm. marriage ministry Mm -hmm. and also helping people prepare for marriage. Mm -hmm. You're coaching couples Mm -hmm. that are going to get married. Now, do you have to have it all together before you can help others or (laughs) can you help even though you're not perfect? (laughs) No, I think you can help even though you're not perfect. In fact, anybody that I've ever met that's been involved in helping people with marriages has some kind of train wreck of a story like ours <laughs> and is not perfect. Mm. Um, Thank you. I qualify. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You want to see some improvement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah, you've got to be heading in the right direction. Yeah. 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 So we, we had had a kind of a, a dream for years before all this crisis happened to be able to help people with marriages. Carmen particularly had a, a dream of being able to help people with marriage ministry and then we got to the 20-year mark in our marriage and all the wheels fell off. Mm. And as we picked up the pieces of our marriage, we still had this idea of being able to help people with marriage. And so we just started looking around for materials and, and who was doing stuff already that we could use. And we ended up going to a marriage retreat, a weekend-long marriage retreat. And um, that was great for two reasons. One, because we were able to sort of – we were there on a research mission – to just check out the material, but secondly, it was ter- it was really good for us in our mm. healing process. So mm. the exercises that we did over that weekend and mm. some of the discussions and the talks and things that we listened to, they really helped us to heal because we had already moved in the direction of healing at the, by mm. that point. Um, and so we just continued to take whatever next step God provided for us. Every time He showed us a green light or said, "Here's an opportunity for you," we would take it. Mm. And eventually that led us into speaking for marriage seminars and leading small groups and doing pre-marriage stuff with couples. Mm. Mm. And when you have to teach it, then you really have to know it. Oh, yeah. And then hopefully at that point we're actually practicing it. <laughs> See, I look, I look back at one of the big factors for those first 20 years of our marriage or until we were introduced to this material, our communication was Oh, it was dreadful. Awful. Our communication mm. style was dreadful. So that so, was just a, a whole other issue besides, besides yeah, the but I, yeah. I think if we had have had that, if we had had that down pat, 
then we wouldn't have taken 20 years mm. to nail that one mm. because we would have been able to communicate about it without feeling attacked. And You would have been know, closer. Yeah. Yes. and yeah. Um, We would have trusted each other more. Yeah. Mm. So learning good communication techniques through having to teach it and then we've practised it. Um, oh, that's, that's just been invaluable. That's been really, really probably helpful. probably been the biggest takeaway for us, really. Yeah. I think because every issue you have in marriage, you have to talk about it mm. to get through it. Yeah. So if you've got to communicate well. Wow. What a fantastic story of overcoming challenges, addictions, communication problems, something that we can all learn from. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Steve and Carmen Allen, for sharing your story with us today. Uh, thank Thanks you. for having us. It's great. Well, in today's society with so many relationships breaking up, it's so refreshing to hear Steve and Carmen Allen's story of a marriage being revived after being on the brink of collapse. But once again, God is in the restoration business and can rebuild love when it is seemingly lost. He can help us heal our broken relationships. And how about you? Was there something in today's story? that has stirred up an issue in your own life or something you would like prayer about. Our prayer line is 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. We would love to pray for you at 1-800-772-936. Well, thanks for joining us. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. When I was 19, I was vaccinated with five different vaccinations to go into a tribe in the Philippines where we have missionaries. And instead of the vaccines working for me, they actually kind of started to shut down my body. So I went from a very healthy girl to just extremely frail and completely housebound. Rebecca Lancaster from Geelong has overcome various health and emotional challenges to start her own handcrafted jewellery business with a portion of the proceeds going to help children caught in the sex slave trade in various countries. Quite a remarkable story. Next time. The Story. The story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.